I'm Matt. And I'm Jenna. We are Mana. And this is Food for Thought. A podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. In this episode, we talk about our mama, the Blessed Virgin Mary. joke, but I'm going to milk it for all that it's worth. <laughs> that was a good, good lead-in. I wasn't expecting the joke to happen right then, but it did. Um, hi everyone, welcome to episode 28. Hello, we are back, and I am back. It's good. We're going to be talking about... Murray. Murray. But what is your joy joke, Jesus, Matt? <laughs> Um, my joy is that we have some awesome new Patreon subscribers oh. uh, and contributors. Uh, Pam Ortega and my father-in-law, Eric Jacobson, and oh. mother-in-law, Kathy Jacobson. Thank you guys so much you. for your support. And also, I've just over the past couple weeks, like a bunch of people have been telling me to set, like they listen to one episode of our podcast at a particular time. Um, so I want to shout out to Liz and to Margaret as well. Um, thank you guys for um, for listening and yeah, supporting the podcast and, and praying for us, and it's always awesome to hear that it's helping people. Um, my junk is that um, I had like a crappy day at work on, when did I text you? Monday? Yeah. I think it was Monday. And it was just like a lot of little frustrating things all culminated in one day, and it was just like not a fun day. Uh, but my Jesus was, um, I just reached out to Jenna and a couple other people and asked them to pray for me, and I, I normally don't do that. I'm more... I need to be better at doing that. Like, I'm, I'm not a very... I'm not good at being vulnerable <laughs> and asking people for help. Um, but when I did, like, I immediately started feeling, like, people's prayers. And I just felt so much more at peace by the end of the day. And, um, you know, I had, was able to vent to someone. You called me. Like, mm-hmm. it was it was really good. So, um, yeah. What about you? Um, my joy is that yesterday <laughs> I was changing Adelaide's diaper. And I got her to laugh like a full stream of laughter for a good like two minutes, and I was. And laughing. if you hear that during the podcast, it's because both our babies are here. <laughs> They're both here. Yeah. Um, and I was laughing so hard that it gave me a headache. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was standing in my office, and Father Aristotle, um, shout out, came, and I had no idea that he was there. And he was standing in the doorway watching me the entire time. <laughs> That's so, so something he would do. <laughs> so I turned around and he's like, that was the best interaction <laughs> that I could catch. So that was my joy. My junk is that um, the past, I don't know, maybe two or three weeks, it's been a lot harder being married and having a baby. <laughs> Just that combination of learning how to be married and how to have a baby and... Uh, to be, I don't know, patient with one another when you're exhausted. Um, there's just a lot to it. A yeah. lot to it. So <laughs> that's kind of kind of my my junk. Um, it's just growing and growth. And then my Jesus moment is that I last week I made the active choice to make my reflection time and my prayer time in the morning. Oh dear. <laughs> and um, 
making sure that I, I wake up and that's the first thing that I do. That I, I do my reflections, I do my readings, and then I, I read for fun. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit of reading. And whether that is reading a, a book that I'm reading about Mary actually, or some fun article reading and just doing some fun research. Um, and just spending that time. Awesome. So as we said, um, this episode 28 is on Mary. And so we're going to talk about um, some fun facts about Mary. Um, We're going to talk about the four main Marian doctrines that um, our church teaches about who Mary is. And then some ways that you can develop your own relationship with Mary. Yeah. So how old was Mary, Matt? I, I always heard it said that she was like... Anywhere between like 12 and 16. Yeah. But tip, I most frequently hear 13. 13 as the, is age. the age. Yeah. Yeah. The, another fun fact about Mary was um, Mary was the only person to be present with Jesus at his birth and at his death. Oh. So that's a fun little yes. thought or tidbit. Interesting. Um, yeah. Really only really human person. Only human person, obviously. Yes. Come on. Really? <laughs> we need to clarify that. I mean, theologically. Don't don't need to go there. I'm not going to be that person. Um, Do you have any other random ones Um, that you can think of? Probably plenty. So we know that she was born in, um, or lived in Nazareth. Yeah. um, That she, um, we'll talk about this in the the doctrines, but that she was immaculately conceived. We can see that in in scripture where the angel Gabriel says, Hail, blessed or favored one. And the way that that's supposed to, that is originally um, written. Um, and that, she, that Nazareth was a very small town, um, yeah. anywhere from 200 to 500 people, probably maximum, no Roman road to the town, um, very kind of backwater town. And that's why there's that, that passage in uh, scripture. We just had it as one of the readings, I think, one of the daily readings where Nathaniel, um, also known as Bartholomew, says, uh, can anything good come from Nazareth? Because it's like known as this like kind of like almost like a trailer park town, you know, like that would be the equivalent. Um, and the job of the women at the time was to tend to the house, tend to the children, um, do a lot of making of clothes, of food. Um, and we know that Joseph, her husband, was a builder, not necessarily a carpenter. That's not what the word means. The word is tecton, oh. which means a builder of, uh, they probably work even more with stone than with wood. Um, just because it was probably more readily available. Right. Um, but, and probably did a lot of uh, building nearby in a, in a, a Roman city that was being um, built, um, especially when Jesus was a little bit older. Oh. Um, <clears throat> and she was betrothed to Joseph. Yeah. So what is, what is betrothed? Were they married? Were they married? They were married. Yeah, they were married. <laughs> were they? Don't. So like, you're like questioning me. <laughs> like I'm, I'm supposed to know some secret and I'm Were confused. they married? It's a trick. No. <laughs> so in Jewish marriage was a two-part ceremony. Yeah. Um, and so one was the betrothal. And at that point, you were married still. But the, the husband would then go using the dowry that was given to him by the family of the wife Mm -hmm. to physically build a house Mm -hmm. for his family. And so they were married, but they had not yet consummated their marriage. Um, And so tradition holds, and from what we see in in Scripture too about Mary's perpetual virginity, was that they never consummated their marriage um, because they were given this uh, calling to be the parents of Jesus. That doesn't mean, however, that they weren't married. And so when it says that... um, 
Mary was betrothed to a man named Joseph, that means that they were married. And from that point forward, you always see him referenced as her husband. Right. Um, so that's an important thing to note. You had mentioned something that you had read about the possibility of her being like a temple virgin. Yeah, so there was, so there's a book by Scott Hahn, and I wish I remember which one it was, and I could be butchering <laughs> what he said, but basically the gist that I got from it was that Mary was a temple virgin, and at that time, what um, would happen is they would be married to older men who were not looking to have... Um, do like the second step of the marriage Mm -hmm. and so that way she would have somebody to provide for her and then she could fill fill out or fulfill sorry her vocation in being a temple virgin and so um i'm not sure what part of the scripture or where scott hahn found this but it was a really interesting tidbit that kind of um brought to light why she could also be perpetual virgin yeah why she was kind of set apart as this holy individual Mm -hmm. um you know that she had this life that was dedicated to god already Mm -hmm. and then part of that was just you need to marry an older man who can take care of you right but there was an understanding you know and that part of that comes from also uh, a belief by some scriptural scholars that joseph had been married once before and had older um children um that were like the half siblings to jesus which is why sometimes in scripture it says uh, yeah, your brothers, you know, the brother of Jesus, or uh, who are these, your brothers and sisters? And a, a lot of times it's mentioned them questioning Jesus, and a younger sibling would never do that to an older sibling. Mm. And so they were either, the word sibling or brother is actually, it's a Hebrew word, adelphoi, which can mean relative. So right. they could be cousins. Right. And that's typically how it's explained. Like, the, there's no real way to know if they were actual brothers. Because um, the word can mean any relative. But isn't it a closer? Because I was <clears throat> in studying this, that it's actually a closer meaning to being like brothers and sisters rather than cousins. It depends because, like, you depends on where it is in the Bible. It depends on where it is in the phrase too. Because oh, that okay. word, brother, it's translated as brother. You'd put it before everything, so it'd be like, "This is my brother, mother. This is my brother, father. This is my mm. brother, sister. This is my brother, brother." That first brother is that word Adelphoi. That means like relative, and then you you can cl- more closely define it if you want. But in some writings and in some languages, they don't. They just use the general term. Okay. So it's kind of difficult to know. However, they could be younger cousins, or I mean, sorry, older cousins or older half siblings. Mm-hmm. But we know that Mary did not have children before Jesus, yeah. and there's no belief that she had children after Jesus. Right. Um, and so there is some speculation that either Joseph was married before and then he took on this role to care for Mary, whether she was a temple virgin or just this holy person that said yes. Um, and then they, you know, built a house together and made this life together and yeah. raised Jesus. Yeah. I'm reading this. So I mentioned I'm reading a book about Mary. Um, it's a book that was written in 1940 and it is actually a poem, like poem novel, mm-hmm. um, about Mary and in her viewpoint of the world and her life and so it starts out with her walking out into like the streets of nazareth Mm -hmm. and looking around and seeing her family um i feel like i've read this book oh my gosh i'd be this sounds so familiar to me excited because i know nobody that knows about this book um i will find it but it's a really really beautiful book that my husband and i found when we were at engaged encounter Mm -hmm. there was a little library 
that we just started looking through all the books and we found this one and oh, then he awesome. got it for me for an anniversary present. That's awesome. Um, it is called Woman Wrapped in Silence. Not Rivet. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> it's, it's really beautiful. Yeah. I'm really enjoying it. So. So anyways, um, other fun facts about Mary. Um, her parents' names were Anne and Joachim. That's something that... Yeah. I don't know if we have that from tradition or that's actually in... I think there might be a part in scripture where you see one of her parents' names or both of them uh, in one of the genealogies, but I'm not 100% sure. Mm. We probably should have figured that out before we did this. But anyways, um, and then there are a lot of different beliefs and doctrines like associated with her that we'll get into, but any other random stuff that you had that you wanted to share about her? Um, I just, I mean, this kind of goes into some of the doctrine, but like Mary, she was... Yeah, this goes into the doctrine. So, but she was free from all sin. And so she was, I love this um, truth that she was free of all egotism. <clears throat> mm. And how we can look to Mary and see just that pure, pureness of character and that pureness yeah. of truth. And um, how in Mary's life, because she was free of egotism, God had full use of her life mm-hmm. and full use of her character and full use of um, using her to bring glory yeah. to the world. And so I just love that that fact and that she was, her like, I was reading an article that said, her chief glory is in her nothingness and the fact of being the handmaid of the Lord as one who in becoming the mother of God acted simply in loving submission to his command and the pure obedience of faith. Mm. That just that Mary had nothing and that was like the glory of yeah. her. That she had nothing. Yeah, and I, I think we we have this image of her, like, she's always depicted as, like, serene, mm-hmm. eyes down, you know, clasped hands. Because she's meant to be depicted with, like, having a sense of reverence. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that those things are indicative of her personality. Mm-hmm. You know, those artists are trying to portray this is someone to revere, you know. And so, you know, as Catholics, we don't worship Mary. No. And we don't pray to Mary. We don't say, Mary, can you please bless my life? Like, no, we ask Mary, hey, can you, mom, pray for me? Can you please pray for me and bring my prayers through your intercessory prayer to your son, yeah. um, to God the Father? Um, and so, but she's, so she's often depicted in art as this very, like, holy, serene, almost quiet, timid woman. Yeah. But, you know, she's called the spouse of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is, you know, was especially believed by the early church fathers to not be this like peaceful dove, but this wild element, this wild person. Um, you know, there's a whole series on YouTube called the wild goose about, um, about the Holy spirit, but she was the spouse of the Holy spirit. And you know, she was a 13 year old Jewish girl. Like, I don't know how many of you have ever met a 13 year old Jewish girl and a Jewish family. Like, there is nothing timid and no. nothing... Mary's fierce. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. There's... She was probably... You know, I'm, I'm imagining, like, you know, curly, you know, wild hair, almost like Hermione hair, you know, from, like, Harry Potter, and, like, just, like, you know, a feisty, wild type of woman, but in a way that was very pure and humble, and not in a way that was, like, aggressive and in your face in an intimidating or mean way, or, no. like, you know, a way that was ab- abrasive. That's the word I'm looking for. But a way that's like she's going to fight for what she wants and what she believes in. And she knew what she was getting into when she said yes. And it wasn't just like a, oh, okay, I'll do this, you know, because, you know, I've been homeschooled my whole life and I don't know. Like, you know, it's she's not like this tiny, not to any against anyone. who I think I've said something about <laughs> homeschooling on an episode before. I love homeschooling kids and families. But, um, 
you know, I think sometimes we get that that timid idea of who she was, and she, I that's yeah, not at all, you no. know, the reality of, of the type of person that would say yes to what she said yes to. Exactly. Mary, Mary is one fierce individual that, like you said, she's not um, abrasive, mm-hmm. but fierce in that, I'm sure if you looked into the eyes of Mary, she had so much courage and strength that it you could feel it when mm-hmm. she looked at you and it reminds me of how i um have heard that every time that there is an exorcism that mary shows up mm. in that moment where um there's the removal of spirits from an individual <clears throat> mary shows up and the amount of love that she outpours to the person that is being exorcised is mm-hmm. that the important to use the word um but also to the demons that she's loving them and in that love they flee because wow. they cannot be near it but that fierceness of love that she has for us um but even for evil like not for like loving how do you even say that it's it's, it's hard to how? imagine because yes. it's nothing that really exists in our culture anymore no, like that you can't really describe it but she know. loves she loves on mm-hmm Demons and like the the fallen fallen angels, yeah. Despite what they do, yeah, and it's like the embodiment of the most like nurturing, loving mother you can imagine. Plus, like the ferocity of like a Joan of Arc type character, Mm -hmm. you know, like all wrapped into one, Mm -hmm. you know, teenage girl who said yes, and yes, she did grow up. And so, if you don't know a whole lot about Mary and her story, like I, I encourage you to read especially Luke chapter one and chapter two, because you know Luke, he was not an apostle. He didn't, he didn't know Mary from Jesus or from anyone else. He was a traveling companion of Paul. And so very likely he went and found Mary in her older age and sat down and interviewed her. And that's why we have this word for word, like sentence by sentence exchange written down between her and the angel. That's like so accurate and detailed in the gospel of Luke that we don't have in the other gospels. Um, And so that's, that's a really cool thing. Wow. You know, to, to to see really what her experience was. You know, who else would have known that she traveled to go see her cousin? Who else would have known this intimate conversation she had with an angel? Who else would have known the details of their fleeing to Egypt and, you know, finding Jesus in the temple? You know, yeah. those things don't appear in every gospel. And so Luke has really the most complete account of that early life, um, you know, the infancy of Jesus and before, which is the early life of Mary. And so it's a good uh, couple chapters to read. Mm. So, but let's get into what does the church teach about Mary? Yeah, so there's four uh, Marian doctrine that the church teaches about Mary. The first one is that she's the mother of God, obviously. Um, And it translates more accurately from Greek as, I always say it wrong, Theotokos? Theotokos. Theotokos. Or birth giver of God. Yeah, God bearer, yeah. God bearer. you want to expand on that yeah, a so bit? like this is a really interesting way to see Mary. Like if you think of the Old Testament Ark of the Covenant, so like in in you know if you've seen Indiana Jones, you know what the Ark of the Covenant is. The Ark of the Covenant was this thing that was historically real. We have a record of it, you know, <clears throat> not just in in Scripture. We have some references to it in other historical records, but mainly in Scripture we also see it that it was built. You have the exact measurements, and in it housed the holiest of things for the Hebrew people, which was um, the law that was given to Moses, the Ten Commandments. Um, So those broken tablets. Um, Manna from the desert. Hey. Um, Ah. And so the bread that they ate in the desert and the staff of Aaron. So the staff of Aaron was, he was the, the, one of the first basically priestly class of people, um, the brother of Moses. And so you have a symbol of the priesthood of God, um, a symbol of 
the kingship and the law of God. Um, and the symbol of the, or the priesthood would be the bread and then the prophecy, you know, would be, you know, the staff or, you know, you can think of it, but the symbols of the, you know, priest, prophet and king like nature of Jesus and therefore, you know, of God and the power of God followed this Ark of the Covenant, you know, like it was wherever it went. And you read in the Old Testament, like armies falling at the power of this thing. And so what's interesting is that the last time we hear about the Ark of the Covenant is um, a reference to the prophet Jeremiah sealing it up in a cave before um, Jerusalem is stormed by the Assyrians or the Babylonians or some, you know, world power. And it's sealed and never to be found again. And then, who do we have, you know, a couple hundred years later, being born in a cave? But Jesus to Mary. And so she's often called the new Ark of the Covenant because she holds the law within her. You know, I am, I am the the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the word made flesh. Um, I'm the, the bread of life. She holds the manna in the desert within her. And then, you know, the staff of Aaron, the, the high priesthood, the kingly priest of Jesus, you know, all of that is represented in who he is. And so she's often called the new Ark of the Covenant. And so part of that is just from that theology of her being the bearer of God. Um, and so that's why she's so revered in our faith. You know, she's not equated to God. She's yeah. not on the level of God. Like we don't worship her but we ask her to pray for us. And so this can be difficult for our Protestant non-denominational brothers and sisters because to them, any type of prayer is worship. And so it's an important distinction to make. Like we see prayer as like a conversation that can be elevated to the level of worship. But we, you know, ask saints and those who've gone before us and Mary and our guardian angels and all those, you know, different beings to intercede and pray for us. Um, that's what the word intercession means to pray for someone else. Just like we ask friends, you know, here on earth, Hey, will you pray for me? Um, and so she has that role as the mother of God, which means, you know, I like to equate it to the time I got my, my ear pierced. So when I was in sixth grade, I really wanted to get my ear pierced and I went uh, to one of my parents and they were like, no, there's no way you can do that. But, you know, ask, you know, the other parent, you know, they're like, it was my mom, so it's kind of a backwards analogy here. But she was like, ask your father. And my father came home, and he was like, sure, it's your body. Do whatever you want. And I was like, sweet, let's go get my ear pierced. And my mom was so mad. But it's almost like that kind of thing. Like when, when dad, you know, when God, you feel like, God, why aren't you doing, why aren't you giving me what I want here? Who are you going to naturally go to? Mom. mom. You know? And so not that, like, Mary holds more weight or, you know, she's going to persuade or bend the arm of God. But it's a way in which that our prayers can be echoed, can be emphasized, can be brought to the ear of God in a very tender and beautiful way. Uh, and someone who was the best disciple of Christ, of her son, that we can imagine, she can articulate what we need, even when we don't know what to say. Yeah, and another another good example of how um, we view that is if a servant brought um, something to a king, like his chicken, mm-hmm. and it wasn't beautiful and it wasn't ornate and it wasn't good the king might turn it away but if he went to the queen the queen would look at it and see the goodness in it Mm -hmm. and make it better by putting it on a platter and making it very ornate and beautiful and Mm. then giving it to the king and showing him how good and how precious it is precious it is as a gift Mm. um so in that same way we we take our prayers to mary knowing that she's going to direct us to her son and to god and bring those things more beautiful our prayer is more beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's the first one. The second one is her perpetual virginity. Um, now, 
it can be said as ever virgin or simply Mary the Virgin, but it refers to her, the conception and birth of Jesus. Well, and also that and she never, mainly refers to the fact also that she never engaged in any sexual act. Like she right. never consummated her right. marriage um, or anything like that. She was a virgin Continual. her entire life. Yeah. So it was a continual thing. But I was talking to my husband about this this morning. Um, it also means that her womb never opened. What do you mean her womb never opened? She never, like, gave birth. Her womb never opened. There's, there's theological debate about her womb never opening. Like, giving birth. Well, the, how did he come out? <laughs> I don't know. He has to. <laughs> no, I've, t- I've talked to a priest about this. And they, they yeah. I don't understand that at okay, all. Okay, I don't either, <laughs> but I've talked to multiple people about it, and it's a thing. <laughs> all right, well, if you're one of these womb truth people. Research. <laughs> don't trust me, and if you think I'm stupid, it's cool. I'm fine with that, but I've talked to multiple people about this, um, and it's a Her thing. womb never opened. Yeah. How did, I don't know. The baby would still be in there. Like uh, That's the thing that I'm like, well, your womb has to open to get the baby out. How did the baby get in there? Well, that, it was, you know, she was immaculately conceived. So why can't the other side happen? Because it says in scripture, Mary gave birth <laughs> to a son named Jesus. Like No, but she conceived a son. Yeah, but it says by power of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say through the act I love of that we're having this consensual sex or podcast. something. I you know. know. I'm just saying it is That's something just, yeah, I heard. It's never something I heard before, so I'm trying to wrap my head around it. I know. I can't wrap my head around it either. It's something I heard. It's not, I'm not like... 100% truth yeah. about it. Well, now I'm imagining, like, you know, Jesus Shadow Cat like, from X Men who can, like, walk through walls, yeah. and Jesus is just like, ah! like, comes out of the womb, like, like, kind of swimming in the air, and then right know. into her arms. I and... need to find it, but a priest told it to me, and well, I believed like, him. I don't, part of me doesn't like that because, Why? like, Mary knows the messiness of motherhood. Okay. You know, and, like, the messiness of birth. Like, the blood in the water, just like when Jesus was pierced on the cross and the blood in the water flowed out of his side. And so there's a connection from birth to death and Mary being there at the beginning and there at the end. And life came forth from her womb and now comes forth from him. Like, there's this whole theological connection that's more rooted in her giving actual physical birth and the pains of childbirth that were caused because of the sin of Adam and Eve. And she's considered the new Eve that she is now accepting the suffering of that then carries to the suffering of her son dying on the cross, you know? There's all this, like, theological connection. But wouldn't... We received the pains of... Well, I guess that's right. Yeah. That's the punishment that this that is given to Eve. And the punishment that's given to Adam is that you will toil through thistle and thorn, like, yeah, and you'll cultivate your own food. Yeah, but she was supposed to be the new Eve that food. didn't have those... It doesn't mean she. It doesn't say that she wouldn't have them. It just <laughs> says that this? that the serpent will be, you know, crushed under the heel of her offspring. Mm. That's kind of the prophecy, the first prophecy about the Messiah that happens in Genesis chapter three. So I don't know if, if anyone knows about this. Like, please, please tell, tell us, us because because <laughs> I really want to know because it was told to me and I never. I feel like it was told in a really cool way to you that we're like not remembering getting, or like yeah. getting out of this because I feel like there could be something there. Yeah. But like I'm not, my mind isn't understanding it. No, it's it. okay. So. It's just, yeah, I don't know. But anyways, yeah. Mama was a virgin. Let's call Catholic so, Answers. <laughs> um, 
You'll see this in scripture sometimes where it says, um, until that time, Mary did not, um, Mary had not conceived of a child or Mary had not had any relations with a man up until that time. And so people will say, okay, up until that time, that means she eventually did. And that's not actually what the, the word that's used in the original Greek means. I don't remember the actual translation, like what the Greek word is, but it means like, um, basically until now. This thing hasn't happened without the implication that it is going to happen. So, like, for instance, I could say, until today, I haven't murdered anyone. You know, like, that doesn't mean it might have a, you might infer by that, depending on my tone, that I'm planning on murdering someone later today. But what I'm basically saying is, like, well, no, up until this present moment in my life, this has never happened. So that's what it means when you see it in scripture. It doesn't imply then that that kind of chain of virginity was broken. It's just kind of, pinpointing a time in her life where it says up until this time she still had not had any relations with a man and we believe that that continued there's no implication based on the original language that that ended that kind of language is really frustrating yeah because we don't (laughs) use that word like that now you know Mm -mm. it's very frustrating yeah um the third one is her immaculate conception so that mother mary was herself conceived immaculate she does she was left without the stain of sin um almost in a sense that Christ's salvation was like retroactive to save her mm-hmm. and the best example that was given to me was that um we kind of go we're born into life and we fall into the mud pit of sin which is original sin mm-hmm. but Jesus before Mary fell into that pit saved her to keep her an ever or um immaculately conceived without mm. sin so that's why she can. She doesn't have the um, egotism that like we all have. <laughs> yeah. And she's holy, and she was open to doing God's will and to trust Him wholeheartedly, despite knowing what could come of her life and what could happen to yeah. her life, and um, just how pure and good she was. Yeah, and it's important to note too. Sometimes people, I think, will say like. Oh, well, Mary, she was immaculately conceived, so of course she said yes. Like, it was easy for her. Mm. You know, like, she never had any reason to say no. But the same can be said of Adam and Eve. They were created with the preternatural gifts of immortality, infused knowledge, and innocence. Like, they had never sinned. They didn't have original sin. But they were still given free will to choose, do you want to obey God or do you not? And so Mary still had that free choice. She could have sinned. The only doctrine... You know, the only thing this doctrine says is that she was preserved of the stain of original sin so that the vessel, her bodily vessel by which Jesus entered the world could be completely spotless and clean as he is. Um, and we see evidence of this in scripture in um, Gabriel, the angel, Archangel Gabriel's greeting to Mary in Luke one twenty eight, where he says, um, where it says, and coming to Mary, Gabriel said, hail favored one, the Lord is with you. And favored, if you take that word, um, it's a conditional verb, meaning that um, it basically sometimes is is translated as blessed one, but it is something that basically has a past tense. It's conditional in the past, basically saying one who has already been favored or one who has already been blessed. And so there's a the Greek word is kekaratomeni, um, and we'll you know you can look that. I will put the thing in the show notes, but. Um, it basically translates to one who has been filled with grace or one who was previously blessed. And so he's not saying, hey, you're holy right now. Like, hey, you're super blessed right now because of what I'm about to tell you or because you're great and you haven't sinned. He's talking, uh, referencing the fact that she has been pure and spotless since her immaculate conception. Nice. 
to the last one is the assumption. Um, and when I was reading this article, it made a distinction between the ascension of Christ and the assumption. So Jesus, um, he ascended into heaven as a sign of divine power, mm-hmm. but Mary, she was elevated or assumed into heaven by the power and grace of God. So, yes. So it's like the difference between different. going up the stairs or taking an elevator. Like going up the stairs, you are ascending the stairs because it's by your own ability you can climb them. Right. But if you're in an elevator, you have no... Well, you press the button, but like the power of the elevator brings you up. Right. You are being assumed up to higher levels, you know? Yeah. So that's where we get that distinction between Mary is not on the same level as Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus, by his own power, rose him, like ascended himself into heaven, whereas Mary needed to be brought up or assumed by the power of God into heaven, body, and soul. And so we've seen that happen in scripture before with... Um, um, Elijah, um, and there's another person who it happens to in the Old Testament. I think Enoch or Enos, um, very early in the Old mm. Testament, that are assumed body and soul. They don't experience physical death or leave any human remains. And what's interesting is that no church ever, as far as I know, in the history of mankind, despite them debating about the bodies of the apostles and where they are, has ever claimed to have the remains of Mary mm. uh, or Jesus. Yeah. No church ever had any legend or rumor that they had those remains. Um, yet churches debated all the time about early church fathers, especially the apostles, the people that were close to Jesus, where their remains actually were. And even pieces of the true cross, you know, pieces of the true ark, like all these things, like you'll find them all over the place. And churches will be like, no, that's not real. Ours is real. Um, but never about Mary, which is that's so interesting. interesting. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah, so those are the... Those are the four Marian doctrines of our church. Um, And just kind of giving us an insight into Mary's life and who she was and how God set her apart in this design um, for our salvation. So I wanted to... I kind of wanted to give my own testimony about Mary because when I was younger and people talked about Mary or people talked about praying the rosary... Oh, gosh. Um... I always looked at it as, and I think this is very common, as, oh, that's for old people. (laughs) Mm, (laughs) Or that's for, like, when I get older in my faith. And it wasn't until, I don't know, I started really looking into Mary and who she was. And I kept hearing about um, 33 days to morning glory. And somebody close to me had done it before. And they said how much it had changed their life. And so I thought, okay, well... I need to grow in my faith and I need to branch out and Mary seems like a good place to start and so I started on this journey of 33 days to morning glory can you say a little bit of what that is if no one knows it's, what it is yeah it's a it's a consecration it's a walk through the of a consecration to Mary um, and you take 33 days to focus on four different saints mm-hmm. yeah four different saints um, St. Teresa, who are the other three? I always forget. Um, it's Mother Teresa of Calcutta, right? St. Louis de Montfort. St. Louis de Montfort, um, Pope John Paul II, mm-hmm. and St. Maximilian Colby. That's right. So, um, yeah. Those four. And you take each day and you do a reflection and you can, um, the goal is to pray a rosary every single day of it. You don't have mm-hmm. to, but it's good, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you learn about Mary's life. You learn about how when you consecrate yourself to her, you are basically giving her um, all of your prayers, all of your intentions, and she's taking that grace and that that glory and directing. How do you explain that again? You directing it where it is most needed, yeah. and like telling her that 
um, you trust her in those things that yeah. she will give give those that need it the most. It's entrusting to her your efforts and your intentions yeah. and you know all your desires in prayer, um, so that she can impart those graces to those people who need your prayers. Right. Uh, as she sees um, fit, basically as she sees where the most need is. So right. it's a consecration to Jesus, but through Mary. Through Mary. Yeah. Through entrusting your, your life and your prayer to her. Um, I was trying to see if I, I had something about that, but I'm going to skip it. Anyways, so I, I started this consecration not knowing that the, I believe it was the day, the day that I started my consecration, we had actually um, conceived our first child, Francis. And as I was journeying through this consecration, um, my heart was like breaking with Mary and moving with Mary and learning to love Mary as a mother um, and getting to know her life and just getting to know this depth of prayer that I hadn't really encountered before. And on my last day of the consecration, I actually had a miscarriage of Francis. And if I hadn't been going through this process with Mary, I would not have gotten through the healing that I needed um, to kind of heal from miscarrying and yeah. knowing the the breaking of Mary's heart helps me it carry me through that brokenness and carry me through that um, stage of grief and just knowing that I could lift up my child to God and knowing that he would be okay <laughs> obviously but there's just such a, a brokenness that you feel in that you know this too um, when you miscarry a child but you don't get to know them and yeah. it, through having this consecration and through this this walk and this journey, I felt like I did get to know him in a way. Um, and so I became to love, 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 love the rosary, love um, praying to Mary. And I don't, I don't pray my rosaries often as I should anymore, but I always, always, always ask Mary to intercede because I know the power and the strength that she has that and the grace that she can bring. Oh. <laughs> Later. Um... And so the other morning, wow. These baby farts my, are intense. My child is pooping on me. <laughs> um, the other morning I, I sat down and it was the sorrowful, what was it? Her, her, it was her day. I can't think Our of Lady it. Our Lady of Sorrows. Our Lady of Sorrows. Thank you. And so I had never prayed the sorrowful mysteries before or the, or the, seven, or the seven, seven sorrows, sorrows in the Mary. Um, I can't talk right now, man. I'm too distracted. <laughs> And I sat there and my heart was broken once again and just mm -hmm. like sobbing, yeah. sobbing my eyes out five o'clock in the morning because I couldn't go back to sleep. Um, if you've never had a relationship with Mary, if you've never kind of broken open her life and discovered who she is and how she is just a mother that desires to direct us to her, her son and to show us the beauty of his life and the brokenness that she's felt and how she can walk with us in those broken moments and those um, moments where our heart aches and how she just knows that, that grief and that sorrow, but also she knows that joy and that beauty of relationship with her son. I strongly encourage you to jump into that. And, and an easy way to do it is the 33 days morning glory. Um, an easy way to also do it is just focusing on the mysteries of the rosary and looking mm -hmm. at the life. Um, I, I don't know. Mary is just such a, a strong piece in my life that I don't know where I would be without her. 
than if I didn't have a relationship with her. So. Yeah. And it's that piece too, like, you know, if you struggle with your relationship with God the Father because of the relationship with your earthly father, like, to recognize you have a perfect loving father in heaven. It's the same thing with Mary as our mother. Like, she kind of is our adoptive mom in that sense. You know, God has elevated her to this, um, she has the title of queen of heaven and earth, which is linked to her assumption into heaven. Like, that she's not, again, not on the level of, you know, God the father, but she has um, kind of like the chief role among the saints and angels as intercessor and as um, one who we can go to as our mother to pray for us and to tend to our needs in that prayer. Um, And so, like, if you're a parent, if you have kids, like, a relationship with Mary is going to be really natural and really fruitful because you're going to be like, wow, someone understands. Like, someone understands and they were able to do this, you know, um, while still being faithful and, like, can encourage me in humility, you know, in understands the mess of parenthood understands the joys and the struggles of it um but you know if you want to have a relationship with her talk to her you know and maybe it's as simple as like mary pray for me like mom pray for me um and having kind of that tender relationship or name with her just calling her mom Mm -hmm. um you know um the rosary is good but maybe that's like a lot for you to to, maybe you don't know how to pray the rosary super well um you don't really know what we mean by mysteries you know like there's there's uh, a lot of great resources out there on how to pray the rosary. Um, but basically, I, I want to encourage you to pick... Mary has so many different titles and different places where she's appeared, mm-hmm. um, different apparitions, um, like Our Lady Guadalupe, Our Lady of Sorrows, Our Lady of Perpetual Help, Our Lady of Levang, Our Lady of uh, Chestahova, Our Lady of Fatima, Our Lady of Lords, like all these different places where she's mm-hmm. appeared and all these different titles she has, like... Um, Mary, the undoer of knots and things like that. And so picking one that you really relate to or that really resonates with you, maybe because of your cultural heritage or um, because of whatever emphasis that she revealed that she has um, in that apparition and getting a medal or a holy card and kind of just like letting that be your image of Mary uh, and just constantly kind of being in conversation with her and God simultaneously, just like you're sitting at the dinner table with your parents. Fun fact about the apparitions of Mary, mm-hmm. wherever she appears, she appears in their cultural, um, like, dress or how they look. Yes, yeah. yeah. Which is super cool. Because she wants to be their mother, and if you have a mother <laughs> that looks nothing like you, yeah. it's a little harder to connect with Exactly, her. <laughs> yeah. So there's, um, like, Our Lady Levang is in Vietnam, and Mary appeared with Vietnamese features. And there's, you know, one that's popular um, among uh, the Korean community, Um in you know Fatima and Lords, um, she appeared more European. Um, in you know Our Lady Guadalupe, when she appeared in Mexico, she appeared as like a native um, Aztec type of featured woman. Um, you know, and so we have all these different you know apparitions and titles for her. So I want to encourage you to pick one and then find a medal, even if it's just a simple Marian medal, um, to wear and to just constantly remind you that she's with you, praying for you. Jenna mentioned the Seven Sorrows of Mary. You can Google that list. It's basically seven events in Mary's life that um, kind of were struggles or difficulties that she um, went through that you can meditate on and offer up your own struggles and sorrows in that meditation. You basically pray a Hail Mary um, after reflecting on each one um, and then... Seven Hail Marys. It's like, it's a... Total of seven Hail Marys because it's seven events. Or you're supposed to pray seven Seven, for each one? Seven for each one, yeah. That seems overkill to me, but... um, (laughs) Very beautiful, Matt. Anyways, um, so, but if you want to do one at first for each, you can, because yes. that's a lot, you know. I, 
it takes getting into a, a mode of repetitive prayer to really appreciate the meditative nature of saying things like Hail Marys over yeah. and over and over again. And so if you're not there yet, build it, build your way up. Start with one for each sorrow, then yeah. two for each sorrow, then Don't three. Don't feel bad about it. Yeah. Um, Mary's not going to be like, well, you didn't pray seven for each one, so I'm not going to listen to you. Um, that's not how she works. And then if you feel like you really are ready to have that, you know, consecration to Jesus through Mary and really devote your life um, to having, you know, a, a a completely dedicated relationship to God through the guidance of, of Mary, do the consecration. You know, yeah. there's a pamphlet version of 33 Days to Morning Glory. There's the book um, that Father Michael Gately wrote called 33 Days to Morning Glory. Um, or you can go um, and find one of the original writings of um, the saint that we're talking about today, Woo. who is St. Louis de Montfort. And he really came up with this idea of consecration. Um, and his books like Secret of the Rosary, Secret of Mary, oh. True Devotion to Mary, uh, in those books are, are a lot of different ways. I can't remember which one actually has like the rule, the rules and way for consecration that he came up with. Um, it's a great one. Yeah. But um, <laughs> one of those, True Devotion to Mary, The Secret of Mary. Total Consecration. Um, or The Secret of the Rose. Is it called Total Consecration to Mary? I believe so. Oh, to, True Devotion to Mary. That's probably what it's also translated as. Yeah. So if you want to find that, that will give you kind of the instruction. But he's a really cool saint. This is kind of the only thing he's really known for. Um, he lived in the um, late 17th and early 18th century. So um, 1673 to 1716. His feast day is April 28th, which is the day he died. He is the oldest of 18 surviving children. So his parents probably had more than 18 children. Some of them miscarried, died in their infancy. But he was the oldest surviving of 18 children. What? Yeah, crazy. So his uncle was a priest. uh, And so that allowed him to get educated by the Jesuits um, from a young age, beginning at 12. And when he eventually became a priest, um, he really wanted to go do missionary work. But he really struggled because he wasn't being placed where he wanted to be placed. They kept putting him, you know, in simpler types of of places. He wanted to go out and change the world. So he started doing local missions where he would emphasize this devotion to Mary. And that led to forming um, what was known today as the Company of Mary. Um, And so he met um, someone who's now um, being beatified. She's been beatified, Blessed um, Marie-Louise Trichet, who is on her way to being a saint. She founded the Daughters of Wisdom. Um, if you ever heard of them. And so um, she, he was instrumental in her formation as well. Um, he would walk from his parish mission to parish mission. And that, you know, walking and doing missions occupied most of his time. Um, he wrote those um, books that I mentioned, as well as the rules of life for the Company of Mary and the Daughters of Wisdom. And he also wrote some hymns. Um, so you can go find those. Um, but he eventually basically worked himself to death. He was like overworked and got sick because of it. Um, and he. Uh, served his last mission in April of 1716, um, which was, um, he ended up dying on the 28th of that month, that year, when he was 43. Um, and he'd only been a priest for 16 years, um, which seems like, I guess, like a long time. But um, that means he was ordained at, what, 27? Yeah, 27. Um, but he's known for, like, being this champion of Marian consecration. Mm-hmm. Um, but he still died pretty young. And his very last sermon was on the tenderness of Jesus and the incarnate wisdom of God the Father, um, obviously with an emphasis on Mary. So um, thousands of people gathered for his burial, um, and there were very quickly stories of miracles being performed at his tomb. What's pretty cool is exactly 43 years later, so he died when he was 43 years old, exactly 43 years later to the day, on April 28, 1759, that woman he had journeyed with, Marie-Louise Trichet, she died in the same place and was buried right next to him. 
And so Pope John Paul II um, once had a visit there to the shrine and prayed in front of both of their tombs. Um, so like we said, he his whole approach to Marian um, consecration, to him, Jesus and Mary, they're inseparable. Like you cannot have a relationship with Jesus without acknowledging the importance of Mary and needing a relationship with her. Um, and so that phrase, consecration to Jesus in Mary or through Mary, is it completely comes from him. Um, and he said a lot of things about this. I'll just read you uh, two things that he said. Um, it is through the most blessed Virgin Mary that Jesus Christ came into the world, and it is also through her that he will reign in the world. And then he also said, If then we are establishing sound devotion to our blessed lady, it is only in order to establish devotion to our Lord more perfectly by providing a smooth but certain way of reaching Jesus Christ. And so a lot of times I think people, they'll get on the bandwagon with these consecration things and, or some even cultural cultures have an apparition of Mary that they hold very near and dear and they almost elevate Mary above Jesus and their own devotion. And it's clear in everything that we read about um, the consecration and our relationship with her that it's, she's inseparable from our relationship with Jesus, but Jesus is always the center and she's leading us to him. Uh, And so if you ever in a moment of prayer where you feel like you don't have the words, you don't really know what to say, you feel distant from Jesus, um, you know, maybe if, you know, the, you need a kind of a matriarchal figure or a nurturing figure presence to kind of lead you or pray for you in a way that you haven't really felt in your relationship with God, um, Mary can fill those roles so beautifully. The majority, I believe the majority of saints all had a devotion to Mary. Yeah. Um, which is so crazy and so, um, like beautiful. So, um, yeah, start your relationship with her. Yeah. And she will guide you. And it, I believe it said that almost all um, images or art done of Mary, it's never she's never drawing attention to herself, but she's always redirecting it to her son. And in that same way, she will never, ever, ever draw you close to her only to keep her to yourself. She will yeah. always draw you to the heart of her son. Yeah, and that's beautiful because even if people have a misunderstanding about the role of Mary, she's always going to Direct. bring that, you know, mm-hmm. bring it to her son. So we encourage you, you know, have that relationship. The reason so many saints had it is because they knew you can't have a relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus without understanding who Mary is. And yep. it's like, it's it's not that they did this extra thing. They just understood the whole of what it meant to have a relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus. So we pray that that blesses you and that encourages you as you uh, dive into who Mary is. If maybe she's not someone that you commonly... Uh, ask for prayer or think about. Um, maybe now that can bless and enrich your life. Um, and so if you have any suggestions for episodes or content, please let us know. Um, a big thank you again to our new Patreon subscribers, Pam and Eric and Kathy. Um, and sorry, Hannah, you, are you I'm not getting a shout out? At you. Yes. Um, so I just like that we're talking about Mary and we're both sitting here holding <laughs> babies. Um, but you can become a supporter on Patreon as well for as little as a dollar a month. You get access to previews of every episode, including um, member-only content. Um, and then please like and share. What's wrong? You don't like it? Like you don't and like share it? us on Like iTunes. and share, yes, the episode on social media. Uh, review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you're listening to our podcast. And um, until next time, know that we're praying for you. See and we you will see you in the Eucharist. Hooray! Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>